0: This is a Power 98.7 podcast. Now we're talking. Subscribe to Power 98.7 podcasts in iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. There's more on power987.co.za.
1: It's 11.11. 11. Synchronicity. Tsepo Khadima standing by. He's an independent energy analyst. And again, he's just going to keep us up to date as to where we stand in terms of South Africa's energy security immediately near-term and long-term. And this follows, obviously, um, statements that have been made by the uh, Minister of Electricity, Dr. Jose Ansurama who has issued a determination in the Government Gazette to procure 2,500 megawatts of nuclear power. A Memorandum of Understanding uh, has been issued by the Presidency clarifying the roles of the Minister of Electricity and Public Enterprises, which now gives the Minister of Electricity authority in this particular uh, area of procurement for new generation capacity if it's to end load shedding. And his ultimate authority as well over um, oversight, shall we say, of the board and management of ESCOM. So with a little more power uh, clearly spelled out for his role, uh, he's going full steam ahead, excuse the pun, with nuclear energy. And of course, we've got the Kuburg example to draw on Tsepo So we know that um, South Africa can do this. South Africa has the technology to generate electricity via nuclear. The lessons learned. And how quickly would we see that 2,500 megawatts?
0: Very good morning to you, Lorato, and uh, while well, I'm speaking to you for the first time in 2024, right at the end oh, of January. Oh, my gosh. Happy you, New Year,
1: you... sir. Compliments.
0: Thank you. Um, look, nuclear power generation by its very nature has got an inherent or an ingredient uh, of time. So the next, well, the first megawatt to be generated from this 2,500 megawatt that has been determined, I assess that we are at least seven years away if we can comply with the regulatory uh, requirements of uh, having a nuclear site licensed. Um, so one can only hope that ESCOM, that now they have been given the go-ahead, the green light to be the ones that construct the uh, this nuclear uh, power of 2,500 megawatts that then they will do all that is necessary and uh, bridge the gaps that were identified in their recent applications to the nuclear National Nuclear Regulator of South Africa uh, on a site in uh, Eastern Cape uh, near St. Francis Bay called uh, Tasebend. And that perhaps uh, if they can be able to comply, because they were given 12 months, so if they can comply, then one can assume that uh, seven years uh, from now on, we should have the first uh, megawatt of power generated.
1: Sorry, I missed that timeline. How many?
0: In seven years from now. Seven
1: years if, from now. Okay, because yeah, it takes if a while. We
0: can, uh, yeah, it takes a while.
1: Okay, and 2,500 megawatts, that figure, um, it's enough to power what? A town? A city?
0: Well, the electricity is best measured in megawatt hours. So a nuclear facility such as the one that has been planned should operate at uh, most listeners will be aware of the term energy availability factor because nuclear power stations have got a higher efficiency and therefore the energy availability factor will be between 92 and 94 percent. So therefore uh, we should look at uh, the megawatt hours that will be generated in mm-hmm. any one year Certainly it is, uh, uh, it is very vital to the economy such as ours and particularly when we have got right. energy poverty to the extent that, uh, that we do. So normally when you say, look, it can power so many homes, it doesn't really give you a, a truer reflection of mm. the, the reality on the ground. But megawatt hours are actually what one should be uh, looking for.
1: Okay, but I think for us it's just to understand scale, you know. So you're saying it's going to give us an availability of 92%, which basically should mean alongside existing capacity, even if the national grid, you know, I'm being simplistic, uh, fell apart, we would still have sufficient surplus on this side, and that's what he's trying to establish. But just how big a project is a 2,000-megawatt project, I think is what I'm trying to understand.
0: Yeah, look, 2,500 megawatts in terms of the current uh, energy demand levels or electricity demand levels in the country will constitute at least 10% of the current energy demand. So it's quite significant. It's
1: quite significant. Okay. What about the preconditions that have been set uh, by uh, NERSA in order for them to make their determination? What would they want to see uh, in terms of the building blocks for a new nuclear power station?
0: Look, NERSA has effectively discharged their duty because they have issued what is called a ministerial, uh, or rather a concurrence to the ministerial determination. So in terms of the Electricity Regulation Act, Section 34, hmm. which now falls under the um, the authority of Minister Dr. Kossian Saramokopar, once the minister has made that determination that this is the type of electricity uh, the country should be generating and having identified who that uh, entity is that will generate electricity, mm. then NERSA uh, is required to concur that they agree, and they have done so. Hence, we've seen the Gazette uh, recently, which has determined that ESCOM will be both the procurer, uh, rather the, the the company that will construct and build this nuclear capacity of two and a half thousand megawatts and at the same time be the one that mm. operates the eventual power station. So the key issue now is ensuring that the national nuclear regulator of South Africa can then uh, give all the necessary uh, licenses to you know for the site that has yeah. been identified. And of course then you'll have the International Atomic uh, Energy, Energy Agency. Yeah. Also, that will have to have a say. And I suspect that we might see a similar situation with uh, Quebec, whereby both the United States as well as the European uh, Atomic uh, Energy Agencies also have licensed that site.
1: Okay. Tapoharima, are you still there?
0: I am here. Okay.
1: okay, fantastic. So there's still quite a lot to happen at a regulatory uh, and global best-practice um, level. Can we just talk about, firstly, firstly, the cleanliness of nuclear. We're told it's very clean, and yet some people say, oh, depending on how much uranium you use, you're just a few steps away from launching a bomb and those always become the concerns when we're talking about um, civil energy uh, in 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 the country we know that countries like iran do it really well france has done it really well and with kuburg we've seen it happen really well but just to clear us uh, to provide clarity for us how safe is nuclear as an alternative
0: nuclear is unsurpassed in terms of uh, safety. If you look globally, there is at least in the order of uh, 493 nuclear reactors that are in operation. Uh, France, for example, generates more than 85% of its electricity from nuclear power stations. The United States has got somewhere in the order of, I think, 103 nuclear reactors that are in operation. And that number is growing recently at uh, COP28 in the UAE. In fact, we saw a pledge to triple the existing capacity. So that tells you that we should be looking at an order of another 1,000 nuclear reactors in the next uh, 10 years or so. Uh, So therefore, uh, or 10 to 15 years. So we're going to see an accelerated nuclear build. And that uh, arises from the fact that nuclear is the cleanest. It gives you the most reliable dispatchable energy at any point in time and it is the least cost because the operating costs are much lower because okay. the fuel you spend is far less than the fuel you would spend in other uh, right. uh, power stations whether you are using gas or you are using okay. coal and and therefore it is uh, the the economics are there of course the capital cost of building a nuclear power station right. are quite high if you look at just maybe briefly let me touch on that the initial 9,600 megawatts that South Africa was looking to build in the mid-2015, 2017, mm-hmm. the capital costs then were pegged around 600 billion rand for uh, 9,600 megawatts. Mm-hmm. You know, the figure of a, a, a trillion, trillion was bended about. Yes. But, uh, yeah, a trillion was bended about, but the costs were around 600 billion. Which is and close
1: to a trillion, to be fair. That,
0: that de- yeah, but that delay... It means that at the time it would have cost us 62.5 million rand to build one megawatt of nuclear power. Mm. That number today has skyrocketed to anywhere between 98.5 million to 215 million rand per Mm. uh, megawatt hour. And that figure is going to vary depending on the performance of the rand against the base currency of the U.S., yeah. in in the next uh, few years and you i mean egypt for example is building a 4,800 800 megawatt power station nuclear which is the same size as what we have with either kusilo or v hmm. and their capital cost is budgeted at 30 billion us dollars so Gosh. that's where we now get that what is the cost per megawatt, megawatt hour to be able to build but the fuel is by far the the least cost and then as I say, even submarines, for example, all of them are nuclear powered. So the issue of the safety and nuclear power is by far the most regulated of all and any energy source. So therefore, from a safety point of view, you couldn't have a, 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 a better assurance than mm-hmm. that knowledge of knowing that multiple regulatory agencies, international and those in country, mm-hmm. all of them have to, okay. by far, apply the stringent uh, safety so protocol. So may I ask
1: you just to repeat yourself a little bit just in terms of clarity for us. So in 2015, when that first nuclear project was uh, mooted, Everybody was up in arms because they'd pegged the figure at 1 trillion rands at the time, inflationary at that time. And you're saying it came in at about 600 billion, which is almost, you know, just a little bit more than half a trillion. So it's a very expensive project. And what you're saying is that today's foreign exchange rate, today's value of the rand to the dollar, which is anywhere between 18 and 19, give or take, uh, inflation added to it etc etc we are likely to see figures way above the trillion rand mark is that fair to say
0: no the two and a half thousand megawatts should and i think every care should be taken to ensure that the capital costs do not exceed um, 98 and a half or 115 i would say 115 because we can benchmark that with currently what is taking place uh, in either Egypt or even the United Arab Emirates mm-hmm. with their recent uh, build of nuclear power. So that that is really, I think, what uh, South Africa needs to be uh, careful about and ask them on how it goes about procuring the technology. But those are the numbers they would have to look at to say, okay. and it's a simple arithmetic. You can just say 115 million rand times two and a half thousand. It will give you more or less what the capital cost will be based on the current and the recent uh, examples, uh, benchmarking with Egypt, for example.
1: Okay, And affordability for a country that already uh, has a debt-to-GDP ratio of 75% and rising? Because we're having to to guarantee a lot of the ESCOM debt.
0: The question to be considered above all else is, well, what is the accruing benefit, what is the multiplier effect to the economy of South Africa, and what is the cost of energy insecurity to the economy. Right now, we are seeing the country de-industrializing mm-hmm. at a rapid state because we've got energy insecurity mm-hmm. and energy poverty is uh, more... Uh,
1: an existential threat. Yeah.
0: Yes. So it, it is. Uh, I think the consideration that you need to have, but also on the other hand, we have to look at uh, the developments. For example, if you build in most arid uh, provinces of the country, Western Cape being and Eastern Cape being the most arid of uh, in terms of water. Mm-hmm. With nuclear, you are able then to, to desalinate water and be able to provide water for agricultural commercial industrial and of course as well as uh, potable domestic uh, water okay. and that is very critical uh, consideration to uh, to bear in mind and at the same time as i say if you look at other sources of energy the challenge that they have is that unless for the energy intensive industries yeah. you must always have this reliably dispatchable power at the least cost, in an environmentally friendlier manner. So on that uh, score alone, Mm. nuclear power, of course, comes tops, as well as coal comes up tops, and then the other technologies, gas, will then uh, be the third in line, and then, of course, the intermittent energy sources.
1: So, I mean, obviously, because you've been quite technical, I'm trying to simplify it for all of us. So is it fair to say... That whilst it's very expensive to build nuclear over a 7 to 10 year period, the offset, the added benefits, not just of having a 92% energy availability, in other words, at any given point in time, it can power the grid, um, is that there are other purposes that it can serve like desalinating seawater to provide water in drier areas of the country if that nuclear plant is built either in the Eastern Cape or the Karoo or the Northern Cape, that it can have other additional benefits. And we must think about those other additional benefits, plus the fact that it's expensive to build, but it's cheaper to run. Is this what you've said?
0: Most certainly. I mean, look at uh, Quebec for example. uh, Inherent cost of uh, generation is sitting at 11 South African cents per kilowatt hour, compared with any other technology. Coal is at 44 cents. Gas comes in at uh, 550 cents. Diesel comes in at well over 50 US cents equivalent, depending where the exchange rate is. So certainly I think the the numbers are there. And even we we juxtapose with France. France, electricity is cheaper than it is in Germany because the strategies or the policies adopted by those two industrialized nations in Europe, they are diametrically opposed. And the, uh, the German people and the economy are paying a price they cannot afford.
1: Okay, so so uh, you've explained the numbers to us, and I was just looking here at other numbers, which says that um, a nuclear uh, plant would generate electricity at about 60 cents per kilowatt hour, whereas concentrated solar would be generating a kilowatt hour at one twenty five, wind 87 cents, and then, as you said, The current system of using diesel with open cycle turbines is five rands per So we are at the most expensive of the production cycle right now. And this would be the cheapest of all of them.
0: Uh, Most certainly. And also you have to take into account that uh, uh, with a nuclear power station, you have got uh, the life of operation of uh, 70 years plus.
1: Okay, so it lasts a long time.
0: So okay. your capital costs, yeah, will be have to be affected over a 70-year period instead of, let's say, 20 years that some of the other technologies So I would give you.
1: Okay. So there's two things as we say goodbye to you. Uh, global warming, would it have an impact, at any, if any, on uh, future um, energy availability such as uh, – I don't know what I'm saying. So global warming, warmer sunshine, is that a good thing? For renewables like solar, for instance? Does it have any material impact on nuclear at all? And uh, how quickly are we going to see what? resolution of all the outstanding issues uh, so that the build project begins?
0: Well, we've seen recently that the terminology has changed more to climate change than uh, global warming. And uh, whether the temperatures are set to increase as a result of the greenhouse gas emissions, particularly CO2 in the main, I think there's a great doubt that is emerging as far as that is concerned. And we saw that at COP28 now recently in the UAE. Mm. And uh, on the other hand, there is a phenomenon that I think over the last... 14, 15 years has come out of the universities uh, from Canada as well as in the U.S. A phenomenon called solar forcing, which effectively says that 50% of climate change can be attributed to the sun instead of human activity. Activities, yeah. So that therefore... It means that for the town planners, for the environmentalists and for the policymakers as well as the government authorities, we have to really have a rethink on the types of materials we use to build uh, you know, for the built environment. Okay. We have to rethink uh, the town planning policies and uh, practices that we adopt because one thing is certain climate is going to change whether or not we reduce co2 Mm. but co2 is very vital it is the gas of life because without co2 there is no agriculture most of the creature comforts we are accustomed to will cease to exist if there is no co2 so therefore it is not the enemy but it's more about how it is harnessed and all other greenhouse gas emissions as well they are also have got industrial utility where you can okay. be able to use them. Therefore, they are not. They, they, it's just a question of how you go about okay. uh, using those instead of just blanketing them to be okay. the enemy that must not be in existence. All right.
1: Thank you so much. It's been really enlightening. Tepo Khadima, an independent energy analyst.
0: You've been listening to a Power 98.7 podcast. For more podcasts, visit power987.co.za or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.